difficult, difficult, women. We're back, baby. Hey, woo! I was I was feeling radio radio jockey vibes, but then I realized I wasn't really sure how radio jockeys talk. And now that I'm doing it, it's like this. <laughs> who's who's listening to the radio? I don't know what I'm doing. I've had too much caffeine. I'm Katie. <laughs> it's gonna be that kind of episode. <laughs> oh, <this> episode. <laughs> I'm Marie, and this is the Difficult Women Podcast. Welcome. Welcome. I have to say something. Oh, please. By all means. Um, <laughs> I just have to say, I hope everybody out there has a friend like Katie Frame. Oh, no. No, it's so true. I That's I started nice. a new job this week and it's been kicking my ass. And on Friday, I was like losing my mind. And I called Katie and she stayed on the phone with me for like, I don't know three hours I don't, I don't know it was a long time and she was already working but she took her time off from her job to help me and I think it was one of the most kind things oh it was very sweet of you well and I just of course. I, I don't Anything. know how what I did to get so lucky to no. have you as a friend oh no, that's too it's nice. so true oh, well, for you to drop you. everything to be like let me walk you through how to use premiere no, no i mean <laughs> this I, editing software <laughs> i believe in you babe, I and i want to help you do whatever you Aww. need to do well i feel thank you i was really touched by that and well, I, I hope it. everybody has a katie frame in their life because uh, well, I, I hope everyone has a marie steel anderson oh yeah i'll just get you high and yeah sit exactly in a <laughs> tube in a river <laughs> Those are someone who'll call and need help for three hours i love it <laughs> just kidding i'm just kidding. yeah uh no you're i mean you know but deserve it you need it's just women supporting women and empowering like it's just it's really a beautiful we have a beautiful friendship of 13 years and i will (laughs) say i wouldn't do it for someone that i didn't think uh it was worth doing it for like Mm -hmm. a dum-dum or something no offense to the (laughs) dum-dums out there but (laughs) i sure felt like a dum-dum no no i know you're not that's why no no uh, oh, well, that's nice. Anyway, fake it till you make it. That's all. Oh, <laughs> yes, exactly. That's been our 2020 mantra, I think, for a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Well, anyway, nice. thank you, Katie. I really you're very appreciate welcome. it. Oh, my God. That. You're very welcome. Um, yeah, so this is a little, you know, this is a love that's podcast nice. oh, for I was, our I'm girl taking, crush. I'm taking it back. I, <laughs> I'm going to play Obviously, it. I have, like, yeah. emotional problems. I'm very blocked, and I have a hard time expressing my true emotions. But uh, so I'm I'm very, I, that's very nice of you to say. Oh, and I don't aw. know how to react to that. But. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. All right. So yeah. that was nice. That's really nice. Oh my god. So what's up? What what are we what are we diving into today that I feel totally unprepared for? Sorry, oh, yes. folks. It's no, been this a is week. Great. Honestly, here's the truth about this. I this was my idea. And it's I'm sorry, Marie. I'm not sorry to the listeners because I do think we're gonna find head on some fun things. But uh yeah, it was like this topic is definitely dense in a way that I wasn't expecting. So I was like, cute, we were inspired. She was inspired by something she saw on TikTok. That like, has been great. the theme like, of my life recently is just TikTok. <laughs> a lot of TikTok. Um, but so speaking of being over caffeinated, <laughs> the topic today is um like housewives on uppers and downers in the 1950s 60s time period because it's like very this is now i feel like we're in an academic like like in college sort of like feminist theory or something but it's gonna be this is fascinating to me because i there's been you know there's this like 
I don't know, an image of these perfect housewives. And I know that there's been talk of like them being on uppers and downers. I think uh, men, mad men touched Mm -hmm. on that kind of thing. I didn't watch that show, but I think that they they definitely hit on some of those things. So maybe people already kind of know about this, but it's not a thing that I was super aware of how big of a thing it was. I always heard that they were on diet pills and that was speed. Right, right. Diet pills were like really popular in the 80s as well. So it kind of felt like it was just what women, you know, were exposed to. Yeah. And they were prescribed these things. So you're just like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's cool. Um, But as it turns out, uh, this basically was like our first. Well, there was two two drugs that kind of came out at the same time. So there was the... um, the like methamphetamines that were primarily used to like you said for diet purposes but also to uh treat depression to make you Mm. feel happy and then at the same time there was uh these tranquilizers that were being developed to when you're feeling anxious to kind of bring you down so uh similarly to the drug and like meth Pan- ap- epidemic that we're fe- facing now that people are like oh mm-hmm. this new epidemic it's like no actually there was like a crazy meth ap- epidemic happening they they label it between about 1930 to 1970 and mm. people just didn't talk about it in the same way um but they like and this and what's crazy to me about it is it's all kind of the same like it's starting from like these like over prescribed medicines that mm-hmm. these uh pharmaceutical companies developed and then tried to make a lot of money off of Mm, and so they they would advertise the shit out of them and Mm -hmm. the doctors started prescribing them at like crazy rates and everyone's Mm -hmm. thinking like this is fine everything's fine but then of course people get like addicted to them and it became like a whole other level of a problem uh Mm. does that sound familiar does that sound like (laughs) something maybe our generation is also crisis Mm -hmm. right now that we're going through yeah Mm -hmm. well i learned like from the 1950s it was such a perfect time or that's like the like everyone was living in harmony with their families and stuff because I was reading, you know, from World War Two, like the soldiers were gone and all they were dreaming about was like going back to their homes and to be with their their wives and to make four or four to six children. Right. <laughs> so, but like that it has to be everything had to be perfect. And so it was like the man's vision of what their home and, and their lifestyle should be and then the women are then like forced into these roles where like I, I women were on like from the 1920s like women were on the rise like feminism and they were doing it you know the suffragettes and then all of a sudden the 50s it was like men are back from war let's just play this pretend game all of a sudden and those downers that they were giving them were actually made for the soldiers for from PTSD and so the housewives got a hold of that right well and not just that but then the uppers that they made were also (laughs) distributed by the military during World War II Uh for depression so that then I'd also and they didn't give them like a they didn't say hey take one every day they were sort of like here just take some of these and so before you're about to go in and bomb a country they'd like (gasps) get these kids all speeded up so that they could like get through the day and then killing of Mm -hmm. murdering Mm-hmm. You know, and wow. then they'd have all this PTSD from the murdering, and then they and then would give like them more give them all this. Yeah, wow. so that so while like we were sort of more focused originally on like housewives, and there's more to be said about that. Um, this is definitely a problem that was like affecting a lot of people of all sorts of mm. um, backgrounds. 
uh, I will note right now that primarily what we're talking about this moment is like middle class white people mm-hmm. because there was an, an also an epidemic of depression and anxiety amongst black people, but they didn't consider it anxiety or depression. They were like, those people's problems, those are not real problems. Like, they need to figure it out. So they weren't being prescribed medication to help them. They were finding drugs that were, you know, more rudimentary things, like even like alcohol to like Mm -hmm. self-medicate. So, you know, it wasn't that there wasn't parallel issues happening. It was just that white society didn't think they were important. Mm. Does that sound familiar? Mm. Uh, things like the crack epidemic and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they mm-hmm. if it's if it's a white person taking it and it's a prescribed pill, it's not right. You know. Thank you, Reagan. Exactly, <laughs> the war on drugs. So yeah. that was a. I mean, surprise, wow. surprise. That was a concept that played into this too early on. But that's a side note. Um, yeah, but also like so, these d- drugs are being given out to soldiers. Mm-hmm. In like the late 1940s. And it wasn't just that like women got their hands on them. It was that like mm-hmm. now they're just like in the population. So mm-hmm. like they've now been considered as like, oh, wait, this cures depression and this cures anxiety. And this this anxiety medic or this depression medication also cures weight loss. <laughs> right. So they're right. just like prescribing it like crazy. The other important question to ask, though, is like, why were people so depressed and anxious in the 1950s mm-hmm. <laughs> like why yeah, why what was all of happening? a sudden <laughs> so much of it ties to world war ii mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. and in so many different ways which is crazy so like there's the obvious thing about world war ii which is like oh these men are out murdering people and that's stressful mm-hmm. and like there's going to be ptsd so when they come back they're dealing with a lot of shit mm-hmm. but for the women i thought this was interesting um <laughs> not only were they like women then kind of pushed back into the household, which had its challenges for women that mm-hmm. had been out working and finding some freedoms during World War II when they right. were like in it for the war effort. But mm-hmm. aside from this, I had never thought about this. And it made me sort of think about marriage for our generation <laughs> in a different way. Mm-hmm. But after World War II, there was like less young men of marrying age mm. because they had all died in World War II. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So when the soldiers were coming back and there's a ton, the, the, the proportions of women to men all of a sudden were very skewed. So the power dynamic got really even more skewed than it already was mm. in terms of like men being kind of more in a power position versus like women just socially, right? Mm-hmm. So women were like desperate to get married. Like there was so much pressure on women to find a, a man because it was it was harder so to find one. Them. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Mm-hmm. So women would like, and again, I mean, I'm sure this was happening on different in lots of different levels, but certainly like middle class white women, and these are like the young ones, like 17, 18, just mm-hmm. you know, in that age range after the war. A lot of them were going to college to find mm-hmm. a husband, and everyone right. was like racing the clock to find available men. And divorce mm-hmm. wasn't a thing as much anyway. So it wasn't like you try to wait it out for the divorce guys or whatever. It was more like we got to do this now. So it forced women's hand to get married at a much younger age. Mm. And when they didn't want to get they weren't re- they didn't like women. It wasn't like young women wanted to be married that early. Like they wanted to live their life because they knew once they got married, that was kind of it. 
for their freedoms mm-hmm. and stuff. And mm-hmm. ba- and prior to the war, women were getting married at earlier or later ages. And mm-hmm. there's this boom in the 50s of like people and the and the story around it is that like women just really were excited to get married. So people were getting <laughs> women were getting married at a younger age. And that's not true. Oh. So I just that and, and then the women that didn't get married, like this whole idea of an old maid and all this stuff because like I don't know, like that they just they didn't have an opportunity, really, because they had to race the clock to catch whatever alive man they could find. So a lot of women also got married, not only too young, but to people that they didn't even necessarily want to be married to because they were so desperate to marry anybody. Right. Once they're locked into those marriages, then there's this like pressure to like, well, you better be nice to your husband or else like he's going to leave you in the dust and then you're going to (gasps) be fucked. So the amount of pressure these wives had on them it's not just like a regular the regular 50s pressure we think of it's like double that because and then the thing is it's like women had had more freedoms in terms of work because of the war Mm -hmm. because they weren't they were like the rosie the riveter things and a lot of them really liked that because Mm -hmm. they had more financial freedom they were they were working the men's jobs so they were making the men's salaries and then Mm -hmm. when the men came back they fired everybody Cool. And they said, you can't have these jobs anymore. They, the men have to have them because we don't want to demasculate the men coming back. And they, and they have PTSD, so we got to give them, keep them busy, you know, wow. f- from this war that we, you know, put them in. Mm-hmm. Um, but then these, well, some of these women were able to stay in the workforce still because they were like, no, fuck this. I want to keep working. But they had to take like much lower paying jobs. So even if they were working independently, they were making so much less. Could they could they cover their costs for their families or their kids? Right. Or could they, you know what I mean, live independently? Like that was always up in, in the air as a question. So they needed to be married. I mean, that pressure. To survive in that decade. Oh, God. So where did their depression and anxiety come from? <laughs> Think about Sleeping that. with a man that you hate. That you don't want to. Yeah, that you fucking There was a hate. lot of like marital rape during that time too. And a lot of people were dealing, like the drugs helped them kind of. Just there was an article in 1960, uh, 1956's Cosmo um, that said that they were tranquilizers were being prescribed to women to um, help their husband's needs. Oh, prescribed great. to women. So, and they, the quote was mm. it was for frigid women who abhorred marital relations <gasps> and reported they responded more readily to their husband's advances when mm. they were on these tranquilizers. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So your grandma may have been in it's a... probably like, where Bill Cosby learned how to... I know. I was <laughs> I mean, thinking the like, same thing. I was like... He like what? read about it and... Uh, He's God. like, oh, my parents used to do this. My it's parents, normal. Yeah. It's fine. It's not fine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I did not know that. There was another article that like... They tried to make the argument that like... And I think that there's truth to this too, but like there was a... a, a shoot, I can't think of the name of the book. Uh, my my citing is going to be all over the place. Uh, oh, I know. The Feminist... The Feminine Mystique, oh, which yeah. was made in the 70s, uh-huh. talks about like how this force of women being... Like women being kind of forced back into the home was what was causing these women's depression and anxiety and all that. And then this article came out written by a man, of course, mm-hmm. uh, which it, some of what he was saying is also interesting and worth thinking about. And that's why this is such a layered thing. But they interviewed 35 British women. I don't think that's like a big enough case study, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, and they were like, why were you depressed during the 50s? And their 
reasons were um, he was making the argument that sometimes the reason was just like childhood trauma and also mm. the trauma from the war. Right. So even if you weren't in war as a as a young person, especially in England, where like they were also being bombed versus the United States where we weren't. Um, mm. The, that PTSD like definitely caused a lot of like depression and it wasn't just because raising children made them depressed so that was the argument that the feminist mystique was trying to make that like just a woman being just a white housewife was going to make her depressed and this guy's like well that's not necessarily true because some people loved being housewives but the other reason that people were depressed in this 35 British women <laughs> section of people interviewed was that their husbands were terrible to them mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, isn't that part of the thing that <laughs> the feminists have been saying is that like that, you know, part of the whole societal issue here was that there was this expectation that you like serviced your husband hmm. and everything you did was for your husband. Mm-hmm. And the, even the even down to the Rosie the Riveter stuff, it's like women being used to service men's needs when the men are at war. Mm-hmm. You got to help out the boys and go to work. Mm-hmm. Well, the men are back. You know, the boys are back. You got to leave your job so the boys can have the job. Mm-hmm. And now you have to go home and be the perfect housewife for your man. Mm-hmm. There's cool. no, yeah. there's right. no sense that like they're in, they're humans or mm-hmm. individual people. You know, mm-hmm. my grandparents' dynamic was always so fascinating because my grandmother did keep that like 1950s housewife facade the whole time they were together and I don't know if that's where my like angry feminism comes Mm. from because like Mm -hmm. that's just what I grew up with and watched and like you know he he expected so much of her and she she would do it and like she would she was so happy about it but I just remember at such a young age being confused about the dynamic of Mm -hmm. that and Didn't I'm sure equal. no never right. never never I mean and he, my grandfather would just sit there and just expect you know we you know happy hour and the hors d'oeuvres and the and then when dinner and my grandmother would never sit down at dinner she'd always be like up and up and about like mm. flittering around like trying to make sure everyone's he was fine yeah yeah was he fine. was fine and the yeah. family was and the fine children and like, are fine mm-hmm. yeah so that dynamic I mean, that's a lot is still of pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say some women maybe thrive in that. I don't know. But like I think overall any woman needs to like be seen as an right. individual that has needs also. And mm-hmm. that just was not happening. Mm. You know. And I don't think it was happening much prior to that either. But um it this is sort of another interesting layer to all this. To oh, make I love it, it. Even more whatever. But the other question is like why why was there like such an awareness around depression and anxiety all of a sudden within the household in the in the 50s and yes definitely world war ii is part of it but there's been other wars and things in the past Mm -hmm. and this one article that i read that i then fully erased and then can't find again so i don't can't cite it (laughs) talked about how in the 19 yeah that's how i roll um in the 18 like 50s or whatever right when you Mm -hmm. had a family unit the men and the women both needed each other very badly because Mm -hmm. like you for survival it was like you're gonna work on this farm and you're gonna like you both have to work in the field and Mm -hmm. like till the crops you're both out there she might come home and make some like dinner but you're also the man's gonna go and chop wood and make Mm -hmm. sure the fire gets started and then Mm -hmm. they're gonna have a shit ton of babies so that the babies can work on the farm Mm -hmm. and that they can like survive like just just to live so the amount of work they just were working 
all mm. the time. There wasn't like, I'm not saying they were or were not depressed, but there was not even time to think about depression because, <laughs> but also they were equal. They were equally mm. working very hard and mm-hmm. equally, you know, and some of, there's some, you know, male, female roles, but mostly it was like, we just got to get this shit done. Mm-hmm. If you're better at chopping the wood, you chop the wood and I'll cut. Like, I just think that that was more of the dynamic. Fast forward to like the 1950s, all of a sudden like technology. Remember like there's all those like videos of 1950s, like the future is upon us. And right. there's like, this you know, an cleaner. oven and like yeah. this vacuum cleaner and like a blender and all these things that make the household chores, quote unquote, easier to right. do. Mm-hmm. Which isn't to say that these women didn't have a million things to still do to keep their family happy. But it was a little less. You're not working for survival in the same way. You know what I'm saying? It's not like your day-to-day tasks have to do with, like, life or death. The men's jobs equally became less important in terms of survival, right? Now they're working in advertising agencies. Now they're working for for consumerism. Consumerism is becoming a big thing. Capitalism is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Buy, the, buy a big house. Buy this. Buy that. You know, that was sort of, like, becoming the center of, like, society and life. Which is like kind of shallow and again, not based on need. It's based on kind of like extras. So like the women's job became less important overall because it was like, oh, just make me a steak and you can just throw it in the microwave. Like, what's Mm. the big deal? You know, Mm -hmm. so they were feeling devalued. The men were like not tilling the fields and there was like issues around their masculinity then of like oh and I gotta be as masculine as I can working in this office you know so let me drink a bourbon and like and slap my secretary on her ass you know what I mean like there was just this like weird you know distorted sort of like sense of self all of a sudden that was happening when their parents maybe had like worked the farms or their grandparents right. had you know mm-hmm. so then there's like unevenness at home the woman is just left alone all day with the kids Mm -hmm. he's out there doing god knows what he's also more free to do god knows what because he's got more free time because of the way the economy is now working and he's not with his wife all the time Mm -hmm. so there's just this crazy rise in extramarital affairs too among men Mm -hmm. and so like now the housewife is not not being valued at all mm-hmm. this oh it's woman's work this is woman's mm-hmm. work that became mm-hmm. like a thing also this whole idea of like women versus men was like very you know there was clear lines in the 1950s they were really pushing that narrative um but also like the men were cheating on the, their wives all the time mm-hmm. i mean it's just they couldn't win these women couldn't win a lot of women also reported to like once in like by the 70s or so they finally would get divorces and then they're like i'm so much happier <laughs> Then they weren't as depressed anymore. And you're like, yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting that like, sorry, that was a lot. But like that idea that that like with the way the economy and society affects our family units Mm -hmm. and how we are equal or not equal as men and women even. Mm -hmm. Well, I think advertising during that time really was pushing the American dream and like the propaganda that then was detrimental to society. Yeah, like the ads of the 1950s, like the wording of um, even just like the drugs I was reading. Let me see. For when she's ushered by temptation. That was for one of the uppers for the patient who is all flesh and no willpower. And those are for (laughs) diets. That's for diets. So like think Um, of how fucked up that is, too. It's like you better be thin and pretty for your husband also. Right. It's not enough to cook for him and take care of his kids. You also have to be perfectly beautiful. Right. I mean, they really did focus on like depression. Like they would 
If the individual is depressed, take this. New drug will banish shyness. New drug for happiness. So here's another interesting thing about these drugs. When with the anxiety medication, uh, the downers, Mm. they started to become increasingly unpopular to prescribe to men because they would like dim you you know what I mean like you just were dulled in this way so it was harder to like be productive at work and it was harder to just like be alive and like with Mm. it you know these are tranquilizers right literally tranquilizers so it started to become like demasculating to like not function at your full capacity so they sort of men started being like no like I'm not going to take anti-anxiety medication but they still liked women on tranquilizers because they were number one easier to control and number two like they didn't need they wanted them they wanted the like the like quiet introspective women to be more fun to be around and more like up and you know happy it'll be optimistic be happy those are for the depressed people but for the anxious women they didn't want them like too annoying Mm -hmm. so they would like you know if they thought like oh that she talks too much give her a tranquilizer Whoa. Shit like that. So it's, and then even with the diet stuff, there's some th- theories about dieting just generally within um, like the Western culture that we try to keep our women really, really thin because mm. they're weaker mm. and they're easier to control. Mm. So it's like that it was just one more layer onto the cake of like, what do we do to manipulate women so that they're just serving us you know for the most part Mm -hmm. again not that men didn't also experience of course like um these drugs and then got addicted to them and all this stuff that was also terrible so men were certainly affected by this too but these like middle class white ladies were like very strangely affected by this just hopped up on all these drugs wow i had no idea yeah i I didn't know it was that deep of a thing i'm trying (laughs) to think like i wonder I, my with my grandparents, I have I have three grandmothers and three grandfathers because of a divorce in the family, and there's only one that I think could have potentially been on drugs, but I think it was for different reasons. Like she was a wild card, but 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 I mean I but oh but they were saying that there was a certain point in like the nineteen four or late forties or early fifties where like fifty percent of the population was at, even just at least casually taking either uppers or downers. Mm. Because that's like how much doctors were prescribing them. Wow. So it was not just like, oh, yeah, some of these women were like this. It was like kind of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then how did we get out of that? <laughs> like, did it seems well, like something like all of a sudden? I mean, obviously, so, like, yeah, the yes. Yes, that's a what a happened in history. <laughs> so we did kind of we did kind of get out of it briefly like in the 70s and 80s sort of because of the crackdown on like drugs, right? Mm-hmm. But they they and as they do as the government does, uh they didn't want to blame the pharmaceutical companies who were like the people that were causing the problem. Right. They were responsible for this problem. But they, you know, the government seeing like okay, this is becoming an issue. Like there's there's psychosis that comes with some of these drugs. There's obviously addiction that comes with them. Even some of them that were prescribed the people would like overdose on a prescription and you're oh, like no. wait but that shouldn't be what happens to you when you're trying to you know right lose weight or deal with your anxiety but it was happening mm-hmm. so um and people were just abusing them and they couldn't stop because they were addictive so the government finally had to step in so we didn't like all die of you know overdoses or whatever uh and because all this by the way was totally legal some of it was over the counter for a long time uh so the government then had to say okay we need to crack down on this like speed epidemic but then they villainized 
the black community and they were focused mostly this war on oh. drugs and we know this from the 80s was focused on mm-hmm. the like you know crack addicts and speed addicts and things like that that were the, you know mostly black and well mostly black people uh so they would like villainize those people mm. but then were able to secretly like like openly villainize them but then secretly put more restrictions on the speed basically right Right. What they didn't acknowledge was that even the speed that was bought on the streets, like, quote unquote, illegally, like not prescribed and, by, you know, taken by black people, um, was like 90 percent of it was prescription medication mm. that was just being passed around. So it was still the pharmaceutical company's fault. <laughs> it mm-hmm. wasn't like just speed that someone's making in their garage or whatever. They're, that wasn't that wasn't the primary thing that was being abused. It was mm-hmm. still pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. So there's never really been enough um, like repercussions for the pharmaceutical companies and for the doctors that push mm-hmm. it and the pharmaceutical companies in terms also of like the level of advertisement for which they push these drugs mm-hmm. that like they increasingly know are not okay to take at the way that at the levels that they're being taken but they're making a lot of money so they don't want to like stop mm-hmm. and you know we talk about this all the time and like the government and stuff but like these giant companies that have their hand in the pocket of these legal you know of the governmental employees or government you know our our representatives that it it it's insane like and what's still happening so like yeah so there was a crackdown on this stuff in the 70s and 80s and even kind of into the 90s but then we started having this like whole other opioid epidemic Mm -hmm. same thing same Mm -hmm. fucking problem Mm -hmm. pharmaceutical companies over pushing medicines mm-hmm. doctors over prescribing and the and nobody's doing no regulations to really stop it in a real way and instead making the scapegoat the black community mm. and putting those people in jail mm-hmm. but the moms n- the soccer moms no they don't go to right jail. right you know well the documentary 13th amendment really kind of yeah. like blew my mind about like the war on drugs and then criminalization like crack versus cocaine and how it really is like there it's is the a class divide it's the same drug yeah but these rich white kids like with cocaine and then these poor black kids with crack who goes to jail and the same with like a prescribed pill right right it's the same fucking thing as meth it's methamphetamine right you can make it in a like when they first made meth in the 20s yeah Mm -hmm. they did it in a like a it's an rv yeah they did an rv in arizona that's how they did it that's how they did it that was just how it worked i mean like it's a it's a chemical that is man-made right it's not like mushrooms or weed or something that grows it's like right they made it so like yeah people are they found the the way to make it and you make it in your rv and then it now it becomes like a different thing no it's the same fucking drug Mm -hmm. just because you make it in rv or you make it in a lab it's the same fucking drug I can make bread in my house or I can make bread in a factory. Mm -hmm. Still fucking bread, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I have this theory that that is exactly why they do not want to make weed federally legal because they haven't, because it's like too, they don't know how to um, regulate it and how to make as much money as they have on pharmaceuticals. And it's happening and they will and it's going to happen. And But the thing is, it's like even as and this is something that we're all aware of, I think, or hopefully mm-hmm. we're all aware of at this point. But like now that these states are making weed legal, we need to release all the prisoners that are in prison for weed violations. Totally. 
What, like, totally. why are those people still in there? And right. the reason why they're still in there, and this is a whole other conversation, but it's the like the prison complex that's like all privatized, and they right. make money for having right. people in prisons. Right. Guess what? You know who else makes money from having people in prisons? The states and stuff. So you can use a prisoner to put out the wildfires in California and pay them like f- five cents or something crazy. Right. It's slave labor. I mean, that's what the thirteenth. Uh, mm-hmm. Is about that mm-hmm. movie, but because like we still slavery is like alive and well right. in the United States, right. it's just taking a different form. But it's it's it is connected to all of this because it stems from these pharmaceutical companies. So much of that is like from the pharmaceutical companies and villainizing black drug users mm-hmm. versus villainizing white women drug users mm-hmm. when it's kind of the same thing. Right. Also, by the way, even weed stuff like w- moms will be like token, like white moms, soccer moms, whatever. No big deal. They don't get arrested. <laughs> yeah. They don't go to jail. Right. You never see that. Mm-hmm. An upper middle class white woman smoking mm-hmm. weed. She's not mm-hmm. going to jail. Right. She could it's be funny. selling it. Yeah. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? I well, bet she could probably be like. show about that. Yeah. 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 They made a movie. They, they made <laughs> yeah. a fucking show about it. <laughs> I mean, that show must make people furious i never right. thought much about right. it but i should but i should but we should i mean it's, right. we, there is such a double standard right that's a whole other conversation though that's not even just our like women being manipulated by drugs to keep their men happy that's like another level of, right. like issues with drugs and it makes you rethink like because i was thinking before as i was researching this stuff i was like drugs like i don't really know a lot about drugs and i was like well i guess like weed and mushrooms i'm like those are not drugs i'm right. sorry they're just right. not in the same right. way and they want to put that in a the, the umbrella term drugs like no mm-hmm. my mom definitely is like oh weed drugs i'm like it is not the yeah. same thing <laughs> Right. It's not the same it's thing. It's not the, yeah, yeah. My parents are always are like, well, it's just different. It's a different strand nowadays. And I'm like, no, no. May, I think and, it's probably better, it, actually. And even if it, it's probably, yeah. But even if it's like stronger, like, it's not like, right. it's just not the same. <laughs> right. It's, it's not, not. People don't, you know, it's not. And I'm not saying people should just be like, we are certainly finding out more and more that like there are side effects to weed that can be not so great for people if you're smoking it like all day every day totally. as people do mm-hmm. like with anything though right like you don't want to eat broccoli like only all day every day because you'll <laughs> just start like shitting your body out of your body like it's gonna be bad so you know but mm-hmm. like um and some people also abuse like uh mushrooms and things like that but then they're also finding ways to do things i don't know like microdosing i love it yeah i mean that's what i was gonna say is microdosing i've (laughs) tried and i always take too much (laughs) (laughs) so microdosing well we will in the future do you know a legalize let's legalize marijuana episode we definitely need to do it (laughs) we we gotta toke up first to discuss but we'll never get through the episode i know we (laughs) won't i'm like drilling like (laughs) but anyway Ask your grandma if she's still alive. See, like, what her experience... I mean, or don't. I don't know. Maybe she won't talk about it, but... I mean, I hate to now be like... Because we did it last week, too. But just... There's... On TikTok, there, this woman is trending because she had found this diary at a thrift store from 1957. Mm. And it's a, it's a 50s housewife's diary. Oh. And she just... And it's been entered, like, every day. They, she kind of, like, shares what the woman has written. And, like, the woman is severely depressed. And mm. she talks about her depression. And she talks about... Um, the pills that she's taking and one of the things was like september 24th like i just ate all day 
it's like it's really sad but it's called if you want to check it out it's called other world design and it's it is just really interesting to read another person's diary she uh, the woman has obviously passed but the the woman who found the the diary at the thrift store has actually gone to somewhere in Kansas actually where this woman was from Nellie and so she went to her grave and paid respects to her to I don't know it's just fascinating yeah and I think that that's um again like I I think that we need to be aware that like you know things were bad for white women in the 50s but they were like worse for black women and that's totally true Mm -hmm. but also Mm -hmm. like you know there's a lot of suffering happening in the 50s that nobody wants to talk mm-hmm. about like kind of among everybody <laughs> like because mm-hmm. everyone's also trying to be these perfect things within the middle class white community and then there was so much racism for the black community so like i i feel for um god i just like and it's funny too when i think about like my parents generation's views on depression and anxiety it's like mm-hmm. kind of just like get over it just move you know what's mm-hmm. your what's the big deal and i think that that was sort of part of the drug thing too it's like oh you're depressed here just take these medications and don't talk about it mm-hmm. don't talk about it you know and that was um, how they were taught to raise children during that time too they sure. like wouldn't really discipline as much it was more of that like freud they were they were just like allowing them to experience life and but it was just like checking out everyone was che- yeah. everybody checked out basically yeah 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 it's just really sad. And then also, like, if mm. your parents or your grandparents, depending on how old you are when you're listening to this, if they were kind of, like, not fully the best mental health state, it's also probably because their parents were not <laughs> doing well. You know what I mean? So, like, there's just, like, a lot of trauma. Well, heaven forbid happen. you talked about going to therapy. Like, I feel like, I mean, my parents yeah. have, grandparents have been gone for 20 years or so. But, like, if you, I, I do remember you know talking about people who go to therapy none of nobody at that time in my family had gone but like just the like oh you don't need therapy why would you go to oh. therapy it's like i mean i i had like a dr- knockdown drag out fight with my parents about therapy because they were so adamant that like mm. they did not want me to go cuz mm-hmm. it was like to them i mean there was thoughts within my family that and it wasn't necessarily my parents that thought this, but like there were other members of my family that were like, don't let her go to therapy because it's brainwashing. Uh. So like, I, and I was, vi- at that time, I was like really not okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to die. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. die for sure. And the f- to, to have your, and they don't want you to, it's not like your parents want you to die, but they are so like, so brainwashed themselves with this idea that like every we have to make sure everyone thinks our lives are perfect Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we have to make sure like only crazy people go to therapy Mm -hmm. only people that are like severely mentally ill and i'm like well hello (laughs) like right but still even like that's not the case like they're so every this idea that like most people are quote unquote normal Mm -hmm. is such like a 1950s idea right that you Mm -hmm. have to be as normal as possible right and like that's not a real thing nobody's Mm -hmm. normal Mm -hmm. nobody's free from trauma like everybody's got something you know Mm -hmm. and why not work on it so that then you can just be living a happier life and why Mm -hmm. not talk about these things and that's what makes me so sad I guess about that diary that you're talking about is it's like this woman just like had to the best she could do was journal about it I'm sure she didn't feel like she could talk to anybody or even if she tried you know even if she did have a therapist like therapy was different back then anyway (laughs) you know I'm not sure 
Right. And that Freud shit, I'm sorry. Oh, you must want to have sex with your father or whatever. Right, right. right. <laughs> like, ah, right. no, stop it. Get out of here. You know, yeah. Mm. But anyway, I don't mm. know. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> <laughs> don't Just take do the plants. Drugs. I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Just do the, don't. If you can pick it up from the ground, that's, yeah, then it's that's our stance on Just drugs. Eat, if it's in the ground, eat it. Um, <laughs> but I have to say, I did take a sleeping pill the other night and whoo-hoo-hoo. Oh, God. That, a- I'm not allowed to do that anymore. Well, I, can I, see I mean, why people get addicted to that. I was like mildly addicted to Tylenol PM for a while, like a couple Oof. years. Like this is like years and years ago because you're. It's just that feel because I have trouble sleeping, mm-hmm. and that feeling right before you fall asleep where you're like so tired. It's like my favorite feeling because you're just like <laughs> I'm gonna finally sleep. But that shit fucks with your brain. Like it, yeah. if you take that a lot, even the over the counter stuff, mm-hmm. um, it can give you like holes in your brain or something crazy. Oh, like it's really great. bad for you. So if you need it occasionally, no problem. Right. But I got like, I mean, addicted is maybe a strong too strong a word. But you it's had like to a, have it. To but sleep. I needed to have it to sleep for a while, and then I had to be like, I gotta stop doing this because right. Uh, another thing people take terrible also same problem uh, Robitussin and like Robitussin. Benadryl or, that or maybe gives Benadryl. me crazy nightmares yeah but it puts you to sleep yeah oh I'm in so, there yeah <laughs> but I think also what I sort of took away from all this too is it's like we think that like every generation thinks like oh we're on the we're on the leading edge of like science and mm-hmm. our medication is safe but that was not safe. like oh they used to do mm. cocaine like in their put cocaine in their coca-cola that was crazy but then <laughs> you know here we are d- distributing weight loss pills that are just speed in the 80s and it's like what's what's happening to us right now are right. we over medicating our kids for adhd are we how safe is our antidepressants and stuff like in the long run mm-hmm. for people? I don't know. And it, I mean, I don't have an answer to this. It's safer mm-hmm. for sure. And sometimes people really need it. So I'm not saying to not take that stuff. Um, but we need to question, I think, like, we can't just believe everything. On the one hand, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. So listen to your doctors, listen to the scientists, <laughs> but also like don't listen to the pharmaceutical companies. Right. Don't trust them, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um And I think also uh, I was also trying to think of like what's our equivalent to like something that's like extremely dangerous that we're in the middle of right now that we're not aware of. And I think it's the Internet. Yeah. Like social. So specifically social media. Yeah. I think we're going to find. Yeah. (laughs) That we really fucked over a generation of people. Yeah. Yeah. I completely She says agree. as she scrolls through TikTok nonstop. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I found this diary from the 50s. Oh, yeah. my God. All yeah. of, This is going to be the TikTok uh, podcast yeah. now because <laughs> that's all I do. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's a great topic. I had no idea that those 50s housewives were all drugged up the whole time. Uppers and downers. Know. I didn't That's know. why they are all so happy. And perfect. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. All right. Well, if you have thoughts on it, difficultwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Shoot yeah. us an email. Let us know. What, what drugs do you do? <laughs> yeah, what, what's your drug of choice? <laughs> Thanks for we'll listening. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs>